Hello and welcome to the Parent Survival Kit Podcast, From Surviving to Thriving in Your Household. My name is Gene Schwillen, and with me as always, my beautiful bride with her brand new hairstyle, <laughs> Dr. Sonia Schwellen, pediatric psychologist expert, nationally certified school psychologist. We're in the brand new year, and uh, today we want to talk about how to find a really good mental health provider, whether it's for ourselves, for our children and whatnot. Um, and so let's talk about how to find a really qualified provider, because We've done some secret shopping and whatnot uh, at Next Steps. We have a really amazing intake department, and we we really uh, you know pride ourselves on being the very best of the best. So we do secret shop sometimes to kind of see where we're at and what's out there. Um, so why don't you go ahead, Dr. Swin, and tell us about one of your experiences doing a secret shopper for another company. Okay. Um, so what I like to do is I'll call around, um, or get on websites and just kind of see, you know, what are the other providers doing? Um, what are the services that are available locally? Um, sometimes in a wider, uh, radius of mileage just to kind of see what's going on. And, um, the last time I did this, I actually, uh, looked up a place kind of local nearby and, um, just was perusing through their website um, and basically saw different options to set up appointment online. And so I thought, mm, that's interesting. Like, there, I don't even have to call a phone number to do this, so why don't I try it out? <laughs> yeah, it's easy, right? Yeah. Just like you the walking. Right, so I clicked the um, selection to set up the appointment, and what I ended up getting after that was an option to set up either an intake appointment, an individual therapy appointment, or a couples therapy appointment. And so I said, okay, well, given my knowledge in the field, if I'm a new client, right, I would probably need to do an intake appointment. Now, I understand that a lot of clients who've never done a therapy appointment before may not know that. I don't so want they an could, intake. I'm not trying to get admitted. Right, right. So they could <laughs> easily just click, well, I just want individual therapy. But what is even individual therapy sound like to someone who's never done this before. Right. I mean, I think that's I kind of, myself? A, yeah, I think that's kind <laughs> of a weird term. It's such a clinical term. Individual therapy means a therapist and an individual. So it would just be you in that session. Okay. But not everybody knows that. So anyways, that was the menu of options. I clicked intake appointment. So then the next window that opened up was, okay, we schedule our intakes for an hour and a half on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings um, between like nine and noon. So pick a time in that window on one of these days and then we'll see you at that time. So I did, I clicked, um, a time and what ended up happening was I got a text message to my phone. Cause at that point I had, um, entered in my contact information and the text message confirmed my appointment and then also asked me for payment. And it notified me that if I didn't submit payment within like 48 hours, my appointment would be automatically canceled. And so because of what we do and because of our intake department, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a few minutes, I was blown away. I couldn't understand, you know, just myself of just secret shopping, right? How impersonal it was, how I was being asked for money from someone I had never met for a service, or spoken to. right? for a service that wasn't even rendered yet, and the fact that if I didn't feel comfortable paying for it, it would be canceled. And so to me, that was really just a little, dis it was disappointing because I already know as a provider how challenging it can be for a client to take that first step in their mental health. 
Um, we hear all the time stories on, you know, in our intake department about clients saying, you know, it took me 10 years to pick up the phone to make this phone call to get the help that I know I've needed for so long. Or um, I don't really understand the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Can you help me even know what that is? So or being I able have to all these diagnoses and I have no idea really what I should be expecting or really what is going on. Right. And having multiple diagnoses usually means having multiple providers or many medications and not really knowing why you're receiving the treatment you're receiving. And so we've heard many things. And so that process when I secret shopped was just I was blown away. I was just, you know, wow, as a client, I didn't even get to speak to someone I'm, a, I'm being asked to pay money. And, and granted, this is the place I secret shopped is a legitimate office. Um, I know the team there. Um, I've seen them speak at different places. So there's I knew it was a, a, a legit place, right? And so that's kind of why I picked them because they were fresh in my head. So I just secret shopped it. Um, and when I saw that, I was really blown away. I was, I was disappointed. My heart, you know, hurt for clients out there that are looking for help and, and then them trying to get help actually becomes a barrier to getting help. Um, so that was my experience. And let's face it, you know, uh, you know, as a dad, as a parent, you know, we're, we're busy, you know, and, and, and finding services, they could be whatever type of service. I mean, you know, you've got Instacart now for your shopping, uh, it's up to your house convenience, right? Um, we've got, you know, online ordering and, you know, curbside pick, you know, curbside takeout and whatnot convenient for those who need takeout on different nights. But when it comes to mental health as a dad, I really want to know like who I'm speaking to, what I'm doing. And one thing that I know very well is that these websites, you can have an amazing website and the content can be so, uh, can be written so um, I guess just professional and whatnot and sounds so great that there's automatically trust that goes into that before even speaking to somebody. But that's the point of a website. You want to make everything look so, so great. So these websites can be also uh, deceiving in some ways as well, unless you actually speak to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. So you can't judge a book by its cover, right? Right. Um, now you have an example of a secret shopping incident that I think is important to talk about because it will kind of lead into the pointers and the tips that I want to give for when families are looking for providers. Yeah, so we actually had um, one of our team members um, call up in Secret Shop, uh, a company, and he called up and left a voicemail. He was actually going to call for his older son, you know, and, and whatnot, and so he called up and left a voicemail, and within 10 minutes, he got a phone call back, and he wasn't able to answer the phone call, and he got three different voice messages without a phone number left in the voicemail to give a call back, um, which as a dad, I thought that was really strange. I mean, it just, to me, kind of kind of crazy. Like, you're going to leave three voicemails within 10 minutes. Um, you know, I would expect a professional company to call back and leave a proper professional voicemail and that I would return the phone call when I get a chance. If I didn't call back maybe that day and they followed up again the, the next day, that would make sense too. But t- uh, three different voicemails and, and, and within 10 minutes the same day is – you know, that's just, uh, it doesn't seem right. Excessive. <laughs> Very excessive. Um, and then when when our team member did call back, um, he talked to the person for literally two or three minutes. Um, the person on the other line didn't get any information, didn't get names, um, didn't get age of the child. Um, the person did say, well, I don't really deal with kids. I do have somebody else that I actually uh, sublease an office from. Um 
that does deal with kids that I can refer you to if you like. Um, but our team member just kind of pressed a little bit more to kind of get some information and uh, just just gave just a couple of things and um, just said there's been some behavioral things here recently, you know, and um, the person he spoke to was a therapist and automatically said, oh, that, that sounds like depression, you know. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah that, oh, definitely, that's definitely depression. Doesn't know the kid's age, doesn't know any patterns or routines, doesn't know, did, did not ask how long the symptoms have been going on for, um, just based on a couple of things that, that he mentioned without any questions back in return, already diagnosing his child without even meeting them. Right. And then I remember that team member specifically said, you know, it, it was hard for him as a dad to hear his child being automatically labeled and these assumptions made about his kid when the provider had never even laid eyes on the child, right? Has not right. even met the child yet. So it was really uncomfortable for that parent, for our team member. Um, and essentially turned that parent off to seeking services. Absolutely. So, so one thing that I do also know that, that a lot of people tend to do, parents tend to do, um, is mentioning the websites again. Um, there's a lot of places you can call up and you may have somebody live answer the phone or give you a call back. Um, and when they get a scheduled appointment, it's really just, they don't really get a whole lot of information either. It's just more of name, just demographic information, contact information and whatnot. And then when it comes to a provider, um, well, you're looking, you know, it's for a kid, for an adult, you know, we have providers that specialize in this or this. And I've even heard from from other parents that they've been told to, to go to our website, look at our providers on the website and pick one and give us a call back to schedule or you can schedule online as well. And that's also very impersonal and, and doesn't really, it doesn't set well with me because I really want to make sure that I'm actually taking my child into the best provider possible, or even for myself, the best provider that's going to basically be able to help me with what I'm really looking for. Right. And so, I mean, I think that's a really good segue into kind of the things that you want to look for when you're trying to choose a provider. And then after that, I think we could talk about, you know, what intake does at Next Steps to kind of provide like the real life example of all of that. Absolutely. So, so what I think may be good, because as a dad, I didn't know this either. And you mentioned it um, in your uh, Secret Shopper um, experience is what is an intake, um, not from the phone call uh, point of view, but whenever I come in for my first appointment or I bring my child in, what is an intake? What is an yeah, intake? I'm totally going to get to that. Okay, so I want to cool. start kind of even before that. Okay. Point, right. So if you're a parent and you're trying to find a provider, right, I want, I want all of you to think of it as like kind of an interview process. You want to, you know, parents always say this. I want to make sure that whoever my child works with is going to be a good fit, you know, or how do they do their work? Um, are they, how do they get a teenager to open up? For example, like they won't even talk to me or they don't talk to anybody. Um, and they come with these very legitimate concerns. So I want, you know, I want you to think about when you, when you call a place, uh, maybe you were referred by your insurance or by word of mouth, whatever it is, does somebody answer the phone? You know, are you able to speak to someone? And if they don't answer the phone, you leave a message. Do they call you back within a business day? You really want to look at that kind of um, receptiveness and that communication. And then you want to be thinking about what do I really feel like when I'm interacting with the people here? Because those are your gut feelings. Those tell you something. Those are your instincts. And, and usually when you're calling and, you know, I don't mean to say this so that people take it in the wrong way, 
you are in distress, right? I mean, that's why you're seeking services. That's why you're reaching out. So at the same time, make sure you're aware of that and not filtering everything through the stress, but really trying to keep an open mind to what is here in front of me and how can I objectively make sense of it to make sure it's a right fit for me, okay? Um, but then a lot of times, like you said, um, clinics will say, go to our website and pick, pick the clinician you want to work with. And there is a very popular website out there called Psychology Today where any provider out there can um, list a profile about how warm and welcoming they are and about how they want to walk with you in your journey and get you to the best you that you can be. I mean, pretty much every profile says something like that on Psychology Today. Well, they also have all the uh, make and select all the areas of expertise. Right. And they, and they see anything and everything. And yeah. Usually they'll say every, they every treat everything. Um, but they may, they may or they may not. I mean, there are some providers out there that do have a wide range and are generalists and then some who are very specific but feel comfortable being more general. I mean, it just really depends on the provider. Um, and the thing that really sets the profiles apart is the person's photo. Okay, and so what people will do on psychology today, and it's human nature because we are very visual people, is we will uh, attend to pick the provider that is most attractive to us. Okay, so it can be, yes, she looks like me and I can relate to that, or they just look warm and inviting, so that's why I chose that person. Or they're a little bit younger and they have some tattoos and my child may actually open up and relate. Right. So something is visually appealing about that picture that's been posted. And so that's the one that they'll navigate towards. So as I mentioned earlier, what were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, so you can't judge a book by its cover. Oh, there you go. So um, I would, you know, I would recommend that you don't just judge a book by its cover. When you're choosing a provider, make sure that that first contact is personal um, that you get to speak to somebody, okay? And then when you do give details about what's going on or who you're calling for, whether it be yourself or your child or whoever, um, you want to make sure that whoever you're speaking to isn't so quick to get you on the schedule just because it fits the schedule, right? Oh, well, so-and-so has an opening at this time, so why don't you come in then? Because that person may or may not be the right fit. But then you also want to make sure they're not just throwing out a diagnosis on the phone. I mean, essentially, that's like going to Google and just asking Dr. Google what's wrong with my kid. WebMD. Right. Right. And so you brought up the intake question. You know, a true intake or a true assessment is um, a face-to-face appointment, whether that be virtually or in person. And in that face-to-face appointment, which can last from one to four hours, depending on the referral question and the type of assessment that it is, and sometimes it can last longer just depending on the assessment, um, the doctor or the therapist, if that's the person doing the intake, spends really good quality time learning about you. So in that appointment, you're the one doing most of the talking. It's more about fact-finding, right? Right. And so the... The provider is going to be asking a lot of questions. They're going to want to know about, you know, what brings you in today and tell me about your history. And literally we have history broken up into all different categories. You know, we're going to, we're going to ask about your life at home. If you're married, how long that's been and what kind of marriage do you have and 
do you co-parent well? We're going to dig in into like a lot of details on just a few sections of family life. And then we're going to go to, you know, your um, medical history your psychiatric history. We want to know if you're on medications, if you have other providers. We're going to want to know about your um, drug and substance use history, if there's any of that, or legal history. If there's been any trauma or abuse in your life, we're going to go dig and we're going to dig a little deep there. We're going to find out about sensitive information where at the end of that appointment, you're going to have talked about pretty much every aspect of your life, either just a little bit or a little bit more than you wanted to, and you still will not have had therapy yet, okay? Now, the reason so much happens at that first appointment is because that's true data gathering. That's really how a provider can make a good diagnosis. So you want to make sure that that's happening with the provider that you choose. Because I have heard where some clients will call up. I mean, this is a really good example. It's a real-life example from years and years ago when I was early on in my practice. Someone had just lost a family member to suicide. And so they called up and they said, I have to go to this funeral in like a few days and I don't think I can do it. Um, I'm beside myself with grief and shock and everyone's looking to me to give the eulogy and to like do this thing. I just need to process with someone, okay? Now, if she would have called anyone else, she may have gotten just one session to be able to do that. And when I say it out loud, like, does that sound unreasonable? Like, she just needed someone to talk to so she could get ready for her weekend funeral, right? But in my books, that's not okay. Because if I don't know you as a client, I've never met you before, I, I could be missing a huge part of your story. I may not know, you know, what else could be going on with you. And then I invite you in to do a session just so you can sort out what you're going to say at your family member's funeral and get over this initial shock. Now I'm responsible for you, right? Now I've like played a role in stabilizing you and done some um, acute like crisis intervention and stress management for you this week when you needed it. But I don't have an existing relationship with you and I know nothing else about you. So from my perspective as a provider... I wouldn't do that for someone. Well, and you could be empowering somebody to do something that maybe they're not ready to do, and it could actually end up being more detrimental than, than positive. That's exactly right. So. Or there could be something they didn't share with me, and then they come into my office, and I learn this, like there's an emergency situation at hand, and I don't have any information on this client because I've never met them before, but I agreed to do this. And so that initial appointment is really kind of what sets people apart. It's really important to not get a diagnosis over the phone, right? And and to be able to come in and spend some good quality time. I mean, usually that first appointment should be the longest appointment. And you want that. You really do want that. Well, it reminds me of, uh, you told me the story of a, of a client that came in and um, she came in for her first appointment and, and she was told exactly what the appointment would look like and what it would entail and and all that, but she still came in anyway and kicked her shoes off, put her feet up on the couch and was ready for therapy. And then she left very unhappy because she didn't get what she wanted, you know. Um, you know, when, when it comes to intake and just with my experience with Next Steps um, and also just being a dad and a parent as well, um, 
when we when when you call up and you speak to somebody, you really want to speak to somebody that is warm and inviting on the phone, and that actually does care to listen to what you have to say, but also has the skill sets to really get the information that's needed to not go into a therapy session on the phone, but also to set you up with the proper provider. So at Next Steps, you guys have a, a huge team of psychologists, therapists, and dietitians. Um, so our intake department does a, a really great job of really finding out what's most important, really what's underlying the main reason for referral, getting enough information to really set up the client with the best provider possible because that could be somebody here, and, and we have, but not somebody over here, even though they're both great providers. That's exactly right. I mean, the there's a reason for why all the questions are asked when we answer the phone in Next Steps, right? We ask not just demographic information, but what are you calling for? What is some of your history? You know, things like, have you ever had treatment before? Have you ever had an evaluation before? Um have you ever had thoughts of hurting yourself or, or wanting to die? You know, pretty personal questions on the phone, but that's also so you, you as the client, you know, your, those details matter because you matter. I mean, that's really what we're all about at Next Steps. And so you as the client matter to us and we want to make sure we collect that information up front so that we can set you up with the person who's going to be the right fit for you versus just if you like the way someone looked on psychology today and you enjoy their picture and they can meet on Wednesdays at nine because that's when you're available too. I mean, that's just not how we do things. So as a dad, and I want to go in for myself or for my kid, what are some questions that I can ask that I can make sure that I'm doing everything I possibly can to really find the best fit? Because I don't know who I'm going to talk to either. There may not, you know, let's just face it, in the outpatient world, there's not very many companies like Next Steps that have a real intake department with clinical people answering the phones. More times than not in the outpatient world, you've got a lot of therapists answering the, their, their own phone calls. Um, or you've got some interns answering phone calls who also may see clients on a small caseload uh, and whatnot who are not really trained to be clinical intake you know, specialists like we have at Next Steps. Um, so I don't know who I'm going to get depending on the company and whatnot, but what are some questions I can ask that can definitely kind of help me kind of navigate that? Well, you know, that's a really good, that's a really good question. Like what do I need to be looking for? Um, and I want to even back up a step further than that because I talk to people all the time who are like, you know, my stepdaughter or my stepson, they're going through something really hard or my daughter or my son. Right. And, um, they need a therapist, but no one's getting on it. Right. We've known they need therapy for months now, or maybe it's even been years and the mom's not doing it. The dad's not doing it. The step parents are not doing it, but we all talk about how much it's needed. So I think there's something even at that level that's blocking the parent from doing it, like following through. I think that is a sure sign of parents who like feel like this is beyond me. I don't even know where to start. It's overwhelming. Well, and it so, is because if you look at your, if you go to, if you have insurance and you go to your insurance company and go online and try to find a provider, I mean, you can literally find hundreds in your area. Yeah, literally. I mean, it's. I hate saying this, but counselors these days are a dime a dozen. There's many, many, many out there. Um, and like we said on psychology today, they'll tell you they can treat everything. Right. And so you never really know who to go to or who's legitimate in that sense. 
So I would say go ahead and and pick some kind of parameters or criteria like that you and parent and the other parents can agree on in terms of well let's let's pick a location at least so we have that criteria figured out and and then we'll consult our insurance to see whose name pops up on the list. And then when you're doing your research, pick up the phone and call. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've actually heard parents say, well, I was just going down the list and calling, and you guys are the first and only people that That's picked funny. up, right? <laughs> um, and and call, you know, well, call some people up. Yeah, well, with that being said, really quick, let me just <laughs> jump in, sorry. Um, when you are going to make some calls, I think it's important for everyone to understand that you're going to make some calls. It may be five, it may be two, it may be 10, it may be 30. So you have to find some time in your day to really just make it a priority. Uh, we, spoke, we spoke about prioritizing on our last episode. Uh, it's going to be a priority. You get to set time aside and just set a time, set aside, you know, an hour um, because it may take you a bunch of phone calls. Right. To even speak to someone, to speak right? To somebody, yeah. And then um, when, after you do that, you know, I always say don't go by reviews either because again, as I mentioned earlier, when people are seeking mental health treatment, they're usually in distress. Okay, I hate saying it, but I say it because it's just, it needs to be said. <laughs> and when they're posting reviews, they will post through that negative, like distress, that place of distress. They're in that filter of distress. And so a lot of times what you read doesn't accurately reflect what can really go on. And most businesses, you know, good businesses are going to have a mix of satisfied and unsatisfied customers. That's okay. But I always encourage, cause I get it all the time, especially in the red clinic when I have to refer a client up to a higher level of care. And I'll say, you know, I want your child, I want you to really strongly consider going either to this hospital or this hospital. And the first thing they'll do is they'll get online and they'll Google the reviews and they'll come back to me and say, Dr. Schwalen, how can I go here? Have you read their reviews? And I'll say to them, I hate to say this, but you have to understand that people who are upset enough to go online and write about their bad experience, they were upset, right? And they're doing it through that lens. Well, let's also face it. I mean, most people who have a great experience, especially in the mental health field or arena, I'm not going to go and post a great experience about this doctor or therapist or somebody, because I don't really care to have my name out there. Right. I don't want people associated to know. with mental health and that I was seeing a counselor or a therapist or psychologist. And that happens a lot too. In the and and those who, who, who post negative reviews are those people who are just really, as you mentioned out there, they're, they're in their distress right? and they're not thinking properly. Cause if they were, they probably wouldn't want somebody to know all the things they just posted online yeah. about themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, I have empathy for those individuals for sure that, you know, they just, they're upset and they're in their, they're in their disorder or they're in their anxiety or depression or whatever it is. And they're kind of leading with that. Um, so I always say, you know, try not to do that because you're going to get a whole mixed bag of messages when you go look at other people's experiences. This experience is yours and it's uniquely yours. And so you should make it that. And so when you do call up, you know, I would like for you to check to see, you know, are they calling me back within one business day? Are they answering the phone? And when they do, are they collecting information from me in terms of really trying to figure out who's going to be the best provider for me? Do they explain their processes to me? Do they put me at ease? Do they spend time with me on the phone or are they in a rush? So even just from that first phone call, 
you can really tell if the place is going to be the right place for you. Well, and I love what you just said also as a parent, as a dad, as an individual, um, knowing that it's my unique experience. I think that with that being said, when I call up, I want to feel like it is my own unique experience and whoever I spoke to uh, makes it that unique experience for me yeah. that it's catered to me, not just a, a thing that we go through, that it's actually personable and, and whatnot, and it's actually, you know, for me. Right. And then when you are assigned to a provider or put on a provider's schedule, you can ask, you know, what's their name? And then go ahead, go look them up. You know, there's usually information about people out there. It might be a Psychology Today profile or it might be um, a LinkedIn profile or something that describes, you know, who they are and what their expertise are, what their preferences for the population they work with. Just, you know, if you want to do that, you can. Or you just wait until the first appointment and you meet that person face to face and you let it happen organically. And I really like the organic approach because when you go in knowing, having all these preconceived notions, it's just a setup for disappointment. So if you can just let it happen organically, but when you're in front of the provider, the important things to ask, you know, are all about, well, what's your experience and why do you like doing this work? Um, what do you think is important for building my treatment plan? Because that question right there is going to be so important. If they say, you know, we'll build your treatment plan together or we're going to do the assessment first and then we'll figure out what that treatment plan is. Um, we want data first to really inform your treatment. Um, I want to review your records. I want to call your other providers and see what kind of collateral information I can get. If you know they're willing to do that much work to build a specific treatment plan for you, they're a good provider. Now, another thing that really sets apart a good provider is someone who will say, I'm not the right provider for you, okay? If they say, you know, you came in with this, this, and this as your list of concerns, but my assessment actually shows it's this that's going on, I want to refer you to my colleague who I know really can take care of you. That's a really good provider, yeah, and it, and it kind of makes sense too. So, kind of what I'm hearing as a you know as a as a dad, um, one question I just thought of is, what is my? How do you guys figure out what my diagnosis is? That may be a good question to ask. And you said talking about treatment plan and whatnot. Um, as a dad, I would never think of a treatment plan. Well, I, I mean, a treatment plan that kind of sounds like um, way advanced, and I don't think I, I, I mean my situation is not that bad. So, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Good. So let me let me talk about that a little bit. So um, I always say the power to diagnose is also the power to undiagnose. Okay. And I really think that that's a very important thing to be thinking about. So just because your pediatrician says it's anxiety or ADHD, I'm going to go with that one because that's so common. Just because your pediatrician says your child has ADHD, I'm not just going to go with that diagnosis. Okay. I'm going to do a full assessment, which, which includes, you know, that checkup from the neck up. I'm going to do some testing. I'm going to do collateral interviews. I will call your pediatrician and get their perspective, but I'm also going to call on your teachers and, and call on you as the parents to give me real specific um, answers to very specific questions so I can really do a differential diagnosis. That's a very clinical term, but all that means is I'm going to figure out if your child's concentration problems and tendency to forget a lot really are because they have ADHD or is it because they have anxiety or depression 
or some major change that just happened in their life, and that's what they're reacting to. Okay, so I'm going to really want to look at your child or you as the parent as a full person, right, that lives a full life, that has many aspects to their life, and I'm going to spend a lot of time with you really trying to tease that apart. And then I might say, this isn't ADHD, not even close. This is an anxiety disorder. You shouldn't be taking, you shouldn't be putting your kid on stimulant medication. We need to call your pediatrician right away and share the results of this data with them so that they can, that can inform your medical treatment plan. Because your medical treatment plan right now includes Ritalin, right? So why can't my pediatrician come up with this data themselves? Oh, very good question. So pediatricians are not trained the way psychologists are trained. It's complete two completely different types of doctors, okay? It's two completely different types of school of thought. Um, and so the medical professionals have a lot to, you know, contribute to the care of a, an individual. But we're not just, you know, made physically with medical issues. We are human beings with emotions and a psyche. And so that psychological component is such a huge part of how we operate every day. And we really want to include that in someone's care. So when I say treatment plan, it's really just like um, a clear understanding of here's what we found with all the data we collected. And now we're going to set some objectives and some goals. Well, first we'll set some goals and then we'll create objectives together. So I'll do that with the parents and I'll even do that with the child if they're old enough and it's appropriate. Like, here's what I think we need to work on in therapy. What do you want to make sure we work on? It's kind of like a roadmap. It's a roadmap. It's exactly a roadmap. It's like a written agreement that these, this is why you're coming into my office every week or every other week or twice a week, whatever I prescribe. Because I want you to think about therapy also as treatment. So just like Ritalin is treatment for ADHD and you're going to take your medicine every day and you're going to adhere to the dose that the doctor tells you to, the psychologist is going to prescribe a dose of medicine, which is therapy, and either that's once a week or once every other week or whatever it may be. And you need to follow that dosage until you don't need it anymore. Yeah, that's that's perfect advice and, and just sounds great. Now, you mentioned something just a little bit ago um, that came from one of our previous uh, podcasts, the Check Up from the Neck Up. And, and I really kind of want to, like, jump in there really quick because um, as a dad, um, we are a blended family and having kids prior to, to us um, – being married, if I would have known some of these things, it would have been a game changer for me and my kids also. You know, when it comes to emotions, even being married as long as we have, um, I still have a very hard time expressing my emotions and really, you know, what emotion is this? I have, you know, four or five. I got five fingers. I got five emotions, right? That's um, better than when we first met. You only used to have three. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm progressing um, slowly but surely. And with that being said, I mean, how many of us really know all the different emotions out there and can really articulate those or really understand what's going on inside us, right? I'm feeling these things. I know something's not quite right, uh, right or whatnot, but I don't really know what it is. Um, and then we, how do we talk to our kids about those things also when they're feeling these things? They don't know how to communicate their emotions or feelings. So what's going on inside them is really, I mean, I have no clue um, so that chicken from the neck up has just been kind of a game changer just with my mind opening up that light bulb going off because it's, I, I told a client one time that I spoke to that it's kind of like a CAT scan. So you go to the doctor and you have no idea what's going on, but something inside is just not right. They lay you on this bed, they put you in this big CAT scan, and they can see anything and everything, and they can find out exactly what it is like that. 
And all of a sudden, they now have the treatment plan or the roadmap to get you back to, to where you need to be at. That's and exactly that's right. what that psychological assessment does. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, so you, really, you want a provider that's going to take time at the upfront to collect the data to make sure that they're not sending you on a wild goose chase, that they've really taken time to get to know you and what your concerns are. They are doing the collateral interviews. They're laying down all that extra groundwork because it's time consuming. It really is. But they're doing it for your best interest. Okay. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've worked with clients who've had previous providers who didn't do an assessment. And maybe they did an intake, but they didn't go in depth. So the intake was maybe like a 45 minute quick appointment. And it it was just a little bit of everything, but not really deep. And then what ended up happening was that this, you know, these clients end up not really knowing what's going on with them. Um, they think they're making progress, but they're not sure what they're working on. Or they don't really feel any different at the end of six months or a year. And they're just wondering, why isn't this working? What's wrong with me? Okay. And I hate it when I hear that because there's really nothing wrong with you. You just didn't respond to treatment because the right treatment plan wasn't created for you. Um, I have one client that is, is a, she's a great client. I mean, she, she's, uh, adherent to her dosage. She comes in every week. She never misses and she does the work between the sessions. So, you know, she has goals that she's trying to achieve and she really is intentional about achieving those goals. But before she met me and came into our clinic, she had seen like maybe eight or nine different therapists over the course of like 15 years. And I did the initial assessment and I came back to her and I said, hey, you're like really spiking on perfectionism and maladaptive ways or unhelpful ways of dealing with anxiety you must be having a lot of panic attacks. I mean, that that's what my data is telling me. In that first appointment. After the initial assessment. So she didn't speak about any of that stuff because I didn't even really think to ask about some of that stuff, honestly. I didn't think to ask about perfectionism, for example. But one of my questionnaires asked about it. And so when it came back, spiked in that area, she was blown away. She's like, I've worked with therapists for years and years and they've never once uncovered my perfectionism, but I know that that's an issue with me. My family makes fun of me for it. I struggle with it at work. It, it interferes with my relationship. I've never thought to talk about it, but it's a huge impact on my life. It like messes everything up, really. And so we've been able to really tackle that head on. Had I not given the assessment or thought to ask a question that took me there, it would have been completely missed, just like as was her previous experiences. So... The assessment's really important. Yeah, when I hear stories all the time from other parents and, and whatnot that, you know, I was throwing this diagnosis, like, you know, these providers out there, and we have a pediatrician that, you know, that we've gone to for a long, long time, and, and he knows everything about everything, and he has the same little spiel that he does every time we come in, even though he knows you're a psychologist, and he doesn't care because he's just, I mean, he just, he, he knows everything about everything, and he is the expert. Uh, and that's great in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of providers out there in different areas, therapists, psychologists, and whatnot, and they see something and they automatically diagnose, like our team member who called up and he spent less than two minutes on the phone and, and his, his child's automatically got depression and they don't even know his age or anything, any background history. Well, what's been going on? What causes that? Why is, what, what, is, what, what has changed to cause the behaviors? What are the behaviors? Oh, he's just, yeah, he's depressed. And they label these clients and 
they can go years and they're thinking that they are depressed and it's really not even the case. Yeah, it may not be depression. It could be internet gaming addiction or it could be trauma, right? I mean, there could be so much missed if we just throw out a label without really doing the homework first. So from what I'm hearing, and so I want you to go ahead and close with, we need to, so the things that I got from this as a dad and even for my own self is I need to find out how do you actually come up with my diagnosis, I think is an important question. How are you going to tell me what my diagnosis is? What are you going to do to figure out what's going on? Um, and then that treatment plan you talked about is very, very important. It needs to be um, something that we do collaboratively together. Yep, absolutely. Um, with, with goals and then objectives. Yep. Um, and then what else should I actually know and ask about and whatnot? Well, one thing I like to make sure that everybody hears is that you can't make a decision if you're clicking or not clicking with your therapist after one, two, or three sessions. You have to really get in there and give it a chance. And so that's probably like three or four months worth of sessions, okay? Um, and it might seem like a very long time, but trust me, the reasons that I hear why people don't click are really like therapy reasons. So um, we, you know, I've seen it where I've, I've had clients who um, maybe have had up to 15 or 20 sessions with a therapist and then out of nowhere, they're like, yeah, I'm not clicking. This is not working for me. I want an automatic change, like fix this now. And then we look deeper into that. And it's really because the therapist is pushing on some button or you're feeling triggered in therapy and your gut is to like run from that situation. Well, there's a therapeutic moment right there. We're not gonna let you run from it. We're gonna ask you to like work through it and come out of that on the other side to really be able to recover from something like that. So we really want to give a, a, um, an adequate chance for that rapport to be established and for the relationship to occur. And whenever there's a child involved, I mean, another question to ask is, how are you going to keep me as the parent updated? Right? That's a huge thing in therapy. Um, I'm of the mindset that we have to affect systems. It takes a whole village to raise a child. And so if there's a therapist out there who's not making it a point to include the family in treatment, that may be a red flag. Um, you want regular updates. You want to know what can you be doing at home to, to help your child maintain these new skills that they're learning. You can't just drop a kid off for 45 minutes a week and expect for everything to be better. You have to do the work too as the mom or the dad. Well, and that's the important thing also that, that I've learned as well is that you know I have to be involved. I have to be willing to be involved as the parent um, because you can teach my kid anything you want to, but if I don't help them work on those same skills in the, in, in the house setting and whatnot, they're not going to change at home because there's no way of holding them accountable or even helping them through those different areas as well. Or I'm even noticing, you know, what is going on and how to help them. That's exactly right. And it's really hard. I mean, if you don't have, if you don't have a good provider who's teaching you about like, Hey, when, when you see these things in your child, it's a good sign that, or it's a good indicator that there's some trouble here, or they have this pattern of shutting down every time these things happen we have to talk to them about anxiety and coping skills and, and what that can look like in the house and how to set that up to support it at home. You're not going to know how to do that as a parent if the provider's not working with you also. Well, and also as a parent, I mean, one of the things that I think is, is a big challenge for parents with their kids is how to effectively communicate with their kids. Um, and that takes some skills and, and, and some work and 
um, somebody kind of navigating parents through that and also kids, encouraging kids to be able to communicate and open up and whatnot and how the parents should be receptive because there, there are some barriers up there sometimes and some walls have been built and things have to happen. So it's going to take a collaborative approach as a parent and the child to really make some a significant change. Yeah. All right. So I think that's a good start, right? Gives Sounds you good. some, it gives you the, the roadmap for how to navigate getting the mental health help that some people may need. Sounds good. Well, Dr. Schwinn, thank you for all the great advice today. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in to the Parents Survival Kit podcast. Happy New Year, and we look forward to seeing you again next week.